1: Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto. Today we have a great show lined up for you. We will be joined in studio by the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, Sean Strawbridge. But before we have Sean join us in the studio, I'd like to talk to you about our latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which the feature this issue is ConocoPhillips, in which we talk a little bit about the amazing company, their great work that they did in handling Hurricane Harvey. And of course, the chairman and CEO, Ryan Lance as well. It's an issue that you definitely want to read. So I encourage you to go to shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and read all about ConocoPhillips and Ryan Lance. But now it is time for our resident energy expert and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to the show this week.
2: Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas
1: exactly so uh, you've kind of been traveling a little bit uh, Corpus Houston it's busy week, yeah so, yeah so you've been seeing a lot of uh, the weather have you had a lot of rain <laughs> where you've been heading to
2: <laughs> no I, I uh, going back from Corpus Christi back to North Texas a couple of weeks ago I drove around it uh, just the whole trip it was off to East of me, I, I went up I-35 and it just stayed east of 35 the whole trip back. It was kind of amazing.
1: Interesting. Well, I have a question some of our listeners have sent in, which is uh, oil prices. Um, last month, uh, people were talking about the price of oil going down to $65 a barrel. And then this past week, we were up over $71 a barrel. And uh, it keeps bobbing up and down. I know we had a little bit of a discussion on last week's show, but I want to... Um, uh, ask you again, uh, is this just yeah. a continuation? What, what are your thoughts on why are we bobbing up and down with oil prices?
2: Well, it's something new every week, you know, I, and it's, it's always a good question because uh, it's such a critical piece of the puzzle uh, for the oil industry, you know. Uh, the better prices are, the, the more healthy the industry is going to be, obviously, uh, unless the prices get too high and then you know, if the price would go up to $100 or more, you'd kill off demand, and, and then you go back into recession eventually. But uh, anyway, I you know, this week it was just uh, uh, kind of similar to last week. We had uh, another huge draw in storage levels here in the United States and big draws uh, internationally as well. So, you know, that means the market is currently undersupplied. Uh, that means we're, we're burning more oil than uh, is being put on the market. And that always causes the price to go up. And then you had midweek OPEC talking about how they were now thinking about Saudi Arabia and a couple of the other OPEC countries talking about how they might be willing to let the uh, the price for Brent, which is a little higher than, than the U.S. price for oil, go up above $80, which would mean, you know, if that were to happen, uh, the U.S. price, the WTI price would probably end up around 75 so um, that, that also put upward pressure on the market. And um, so here we are, you know, with, and we're right back above $70 prices after spending most of August, you know, in the mid to high 60s. And um, I think that's what's going to continue for the rest of the year. I, I do. I still think, and I've been saying this pretty much all year, I do think we're going to have probably about $75 you know, price for for West Texas Intermediate uh, at the end of this year, just because of of the way the market is.
1: Yeah. And you have actually been on that mark since the very beginning of the year. So uh, we're waiting to see, but it looks like uh, you could be possibly right that's why you're the resident energy expert and you know between you uh, with the, as the resident energy expert and our energy minutes which are put out all over Texas by Commissioner Ryan Sinton I really do believe oil is so complicated in the fact that you guys are out there kind of telling Everybody, in a way that they can understand a little bit more about energy, really helps everybody kind of understand and have a, a meaningful discussion on oil and gas, because it's it's vital to Texas and, uh, and our economy. Uh, changing gears just a little bit, the Energy Department issued a new report this week showing that the overall debt levels for the oil and gas industry were at their lowest level since 2014. Now of course call me crazy but didn't the new york Times publish a story about two weeks ago claiming that the shell industry was going broke so who's right and i would <laughs> think it's the department of energy <laughs>
2: yeah i uh that story a couple of weeks ago just drove me crazy it, it was written by a couple of people who are uh big pushers of the whole peak oil theory and you know they have they're. What they are is they, they, they're they with an environmental front group. I was just thinking these, that. Yeah. There's
1: some reason behind why That's, they want right. people to think.
2: <laughs> and somehow they convince the New York Times to give them a byline for that one piece. And the New York Times looks like a bunch of idiots for doing it now, right?
1: I exactly.
2: Mean, right. And so, you know, the shell industry is is, is so much healthier today than it was four years ago. And, and part of that being healthy is you don't have all this debt. You know, if everyone remembers 2016, the first half of 2016, we had 200 companies in our domestic oil and gas industry declare for bankruptcy protection. And uh, so the result of those bankruptcy proceedings was eventually the company goes through it, they reorganize their debt, they pay down their debt, and they end up with a much healthier debt situation. I, I know one company that, that went through bankruptcy and came out the other end with no debt left at all. And so it's a much healthier comp- company now, and 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 the industry's kind of filled with companies like that. So yeah, uh, they're not having to acquire as much debt now to to conduct their operations. In fact, some companies aren't having to do it at all because the price is much healthier. and. And so, yeah, it's it's not surprising. The industry is in a much better position. Uh, all these companies are profitable now. We're seeing, you know, every every quarterly earnings season brings you know new higher levels of profits uh, announced by these companies. And and the domestic industry is really booming right now. And, and probably healthier. I, I would say it's really in a healthier position today than it really has been in at least 20 years. Um, Just because of these low debt levels, you know, that these companies have now, it's 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 really a happy position for the domestic industry right now.
1: Well, and, you know, even with that, just looking at it as an outsider looking in these companies, huge publicly traded companies, shales, uh, the Halliburtons that are service companies, they're not making these billion dollar investments, uh, sand companies, without having an understanding that they're going to be here for a very long time. I mean it just it, it just makes no sense that uh, like oil and gas uh, would not have an understanding that this it's a great place to make an investment because there's plenty of oil or gas, natural gas that they're going to keep drilling here they're not making those kind of investments so i don't know sometimes i think when i read those stories it's more the hype on there's some kind of a spin on it for some reason Um, and i'm kind of glad that we don't do that in this show we're like really telling the truth and there's nothing hidden behind it of you know um, uh, we want stock prices to rise or we want there's some you know meaning there's some gain behind it it's just truly the truth um, yeah,
2: I, I guess we should disclose. I don't have any bets on the price of oil anywhere. You know, <laughs> right. I I have a 401 k that's invested purely in mutual funds, and I don't have any investments in any individual company in this industry. So I don't have any skin in that game, and neither do you. And it's just, you know, uh, but we love the industry, and and we you know we're around it all the time and and report on it and and want to see it healthy you know it's it's better for everybody if the industry is healthy
1: exactly um quickly let's talk about china and the tariffs you know we're getting ready to have sean strawbridge who is the ceo of uh the port of corpus christi on uh, to kind of catch up with him and what's going on at the port Uh, but president trump just uh, put tariffs on china um, and there and then china in return also put some tariffs back on the united states and one of them specifically uh, was actually LNG. Um, And so I want to get an understanding from you. What do you think these tariffs will will what kind of outcome will it have on the LNG market, the natural gas market?
2: Well, you know, it could have a significant impact because China is in the process. You know, China spent the previous 20 years building hundreds and hundreds of coal-fired power plants, and now they have this pollution problem over there. So they're in the process now trying to convert those coal plants to natural gas power plants. And they're going to need to import a ton of lng over the next 20 30 years while they're converting all those coal plants and so it's a huge potential market and and it, you know if these if this tariff war between the united states that's really just kind of getting started with china if it goes on for a long time it could have a pretty detrimental impact in in the us lng market now there are a lot of other places to ship U.S. liquefied natural gas, you know, to Europe and South America and Asia and you know, other parts of Asia. But the China market is a huge potential market and, and you know, it's just a big prize out there. So we, what we have to hope is that uh, the U.S. and China finally end up negotiating a, a trade deal everybody can live with and these tariffs go away.
1: Exactly. Because um, I believe what some of the media had read was that it might wind up actually shelving projects in the future. And let's hope that doesn't happen here in the United States. Um, so I'm with you. Hopefully they uh, we can get things worked out with China and avoid um, tariffs on the LNG part of the energy sector.
2: And by the way, I'm, I'm willing to bet by mid-year next year, it's all resolved and these tariffs go away. That's I really believe that's what's going to happen. I
1: mean, I think it's kind of China cannot win if they continue.
2: They They just can't. The the leverage, the U.S. has the leverage in this relationship. And eventually China is going to have to give in and and, and make some concessions and work out a deal with, with the Trump administration. And it will all be resolved.
1: Exactly. Well, David, that's all the time we have. Look forward to having you back next week when we can talk energy and politics again. Until next week, thank you so much and have a great weekend.
2: I will look forward
0: to it, thank you.
1: You're listening to In the Old Patch and we'll be right back.
0: And the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute, produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitten with your Energy Minute. Over the past
3: few weeks, as U.S. sanctions on Iran have hit the market, global oil prices have begun to rise. Gasoline prices in the United States have risen in turn, getting closer to a national average of $3 a gallon. In response, President Trump has called on OPEC to increase production, but that could be a problem. Changes to OPEC production levels require unanimous consent of OPEC members. Yesterday, the Iranian oil minister said that Iran would vote against any changes to production levels that are designed to balance out Iranian losses. Regardless, the president's push did put downward pressure on oil prices yesterday. WTI lost 57 cents to end the day at $70.80 per barrel. This is Ryan Sitton and that's your Energy Minute.
0: Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry on Online at Oil Filled
2: Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part anytime for your automotive or oil filled equipment needs. Call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil Filled Experts, 210 471 1923. Again, that's 210 471 1923.
1: Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellato, and today we have a great guest lined up for you. We have Sean Strawbridge, who is the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, in studio with us. Sean, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thanks for having me back, Kim. You know, we just conducted State of Energy in your town, Corpus Christi. It was a sold-out event, and of course you were one of the presenters uh, one of the most important things that I uh, learned from State of Energy and from your presentation was, everybody kind of knows that the Port of Corpus Christi is definitely on the radar when we are looking at, um, you know, the shining superstar in energy is the Port of Corpus Christi. But there's a lot evolving and a lot of moving parts and a lot of information that I think the community needs to hear because uh, the port is on a successful path, but it could always use more support, more resources, and communication to me is the key on the port. I want to introduce a little bit of the port, uh, but before I do, I want to talk a little bit about how did you become the CEO of the port and tell me your background a little bit before we get started.
3: Uh, Well, Kim, I was... uh, uh tapped to come in as the the deputy executive director in 2015. Uh, the port was looking for a succession plan for John LaRue, who uh, has been the port's executive director for 24 years. And uh, he had indicated to the board that he was uh, going to retire in the, in the next few years and and there was not a a clear successor at that time. So they they did a national search and um, I had the good fortune of being selected for that role, uh, and uh, so I came to the Port of Corpus Christi in July of 2015, and in January of this year, 2018, the board uh, saw fit to promote me to the chief executive officer uh, position with the, uh, the full duties uh, of managing the port. And uh, John is uh, on his way. He's doing what I would call his victory lap. Uh, mm-hmm. This will be his. This is his last year.
1: Okay.
3: Uh, so it's great to have uh, John around, and he's uh, he's really a great guy. A lot of sage wisdom there. Uh, but it's also an exciting time for the port as we as we move into a new era with uh, a new team in place and, um, certainly a lot of new customers. Uh, so it's a, a very dynamic time and I feel very lucky to be at the Port of Corpus Christi.
1: How long has, has this always been your background maritime and running ports? Um,
3: yeah, uh, in, in various, uh, in, in various roles. Uh, my background is, uh, is, is primarily, uh, finance. I, I started my, my career in, uh, uh, in the transportation space, actually as an accountant. Uh, but I have uh, held numerous positions in sales and operations uh, with uh, both private enterprise and uh, public agencies, other port authorities. Uh, so uh, I would say my my knowledge is a, a mile wide, but uh, likely only an inch deep.
1: Well, I think that the new direction that we see in the port and the leadership, John LaRue was a great leader, um, but I do see a, a very different change going on. It almost is like y'all's slogan, Feel the energy. And you can feel the energy coming out of Corpus Christi in the port. I want to introduce the port of Corpus Christi as well, because I'm not sure if our listeners really understand how dynamic this port is. It is, uh, the port of Corpus Christi is considered to be the U.S. crude oil export port and a major economic energy uh, driver for Texas and the nation. The port of Corpus Christi Mm -hmm. is the fourth largest port in the United States. That's correct. Per tonnage. And it's also strategically located in the western Gulf of Mexico with about uh, 36 miles to it, and it's 47 feet deep currently. Uh, But the Port of Corpus Christi is a major gateway into the international and domestic maritime commerce. It also has three major railroads as well as two major interstates. So it's strategically located in, like, the most perfect place. For energy?
3: It certainly is, Kim. And, and ports are essentially real estate uh, plays. And, and uh, you know, the Port of Corpus Christi is very uh, fortuitously located uh, near two of the largest producing uh, energy fields, the Permian and Eagleford. And uh, we are also uh, very close to deep water. So unlike Houston, which has a a 50-mile uh, a ship channel uh, to get to its 45 feet draft uh, and to go to, uh, say, 54 feet, which is what the Port of Corpus Christi is doing now, they would have to go another somewhere around 30 miles plus out into the Gulf to get there. Uh, so we're very close to the continental shelf. Uh, so that's, that's we're very lucky uh, to have that kind of infrastructure. So as a gateway to us energy production and now with the global appetite for american energy uh-huh. uh, we're really at the uh, at the forefront uh, at the apex as i like to say of this uh, this new uh, economic uh, energy and economic opportunity for us the, the port of corpus christi is the largest export port for us produced crude oil and uh, we anticipate that that will continue as we see more pipelines coming from the producing fields into Corpus Christi. But we're also very bullish on uh, the natural gas, the LNG and the, in, and the liquefied uh, uh, p- propane gas and, and NGLs uh, and, and the opportunity for growth that, that those commodity segments also represent. Uh, Chenier uh, with their Corpus Christi liquefaction, plant uh, will be commissioning their first cargo later this year in 2018 uh, with their first train. Uh, train two will be commissioned next year and they're currently building train three. Uh, and then they're going to be expanding into what we call mid scale liquefaction. So those first three trains are large scale liquefaction. And those trains have been fully subscribed uh, by uh, foreign interests who have a, a large appetite for American gas. And we heard just this week uh, with uh, President Trump meeting with uh, the president of Poland, mm-hmm. uh, that Poland uh, has made a commitment to buying more American gas. And and uh, we're very excited about that. Uh, me and a uh, couple of my board members met with uh, a Polish delegation at the World Gas Conference in June in Washington, D.C., and they expressed keen interest on weaning themselves from Russian gas and buying more American gas, which they really view as a, uh, uh, a strategic imperative uh, for that nation.
1: Exactly. Sean, when we return from break, I want to talk a little bit about some of the changes that you've made uh, since you've been on board. You're approaching your year there with the port And I want to see some of the changes that you've implemented since you've been at the port. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Join us Saturday, October 20th at Sam Houston Park for the eighth annual Energy Day. One of Houston's largest free family festivals, Energy Day has music, food, games, and fun. Enjoy over 60 interactive exhibits showcasing science, technology, engineering, mathematics, energy, and careers. Don't miss out on the fun. Admission is free, brought to you by Caterpillar, Chevron, ConocoPhillips, Consumer Energy, Education Foundation, and the Consumer Energy Alliance. For more information, visit energydayfestival.org.
0: Agreco has been powering the Permian Basin for over 10 years, supporting Permian producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. Agreco supports power systems as small as a single 200 kilowatt to as large as a 50 megawatt power plant. So when your utility power is delayed, call on Agreco to engineer a diesel, natural gas, or battery solution to fit your needs. We have immediate availability right here in the Permian Basin. Call 1-800-AGRECO or online agreco.com
1: and we're back you're listening to in the oil patch radio show our guest today is sean strawbridge who is the ceo of the port of corpus christi Sean, before the break, uh, I, I want to uh, return uh, back to the leadership. You're, you're a fairly new leader, CEO of the port. Uh, you're coming up on your year. Some of the changes that we've seen since you've taken over this position, uh, there's been a lot of them. So tell me a little bit about some of the changes that you've implemented the year you've been here.
3: Well, Kim, the, the Port of Corpus Christi was uh, – uh, basically, a a a port authority that was land rich and cash poor for decades. Uh, it was heavily dependent on the refiners uh, in Corpus Christi for a good. Portion of its revenues, over seventy percent of the port's revenues right. for decades, decades came from the uh, the three large uh, refiners that are there. There's about a million barrels of uh, refining capacity in Corpus Christi, run by three great customers of ours: Valero, Flint Hills, and Citgo But being heavily dependent on that concentrated uh, customer base uh, can have its uh, its its. Uh, downside as well. And so what we've seen over the last decade is a larger customer base. Uh, This past year, we had uh, nearly 240 paying customers, Uh, at the Port of Corpus Christi. In one year? Last year, we had 240 paying customers of the Port of Corpus Christi. and, And the refining sector, those three customers represented about 25%. So all of that additional growth in revenue has been with new customers, new investors coming into the region. So by having new customers, it allows us to keep our rates low, which we... From a competitive standpoint, we're one of the lower cost ports uh, in, the, in the Gulf, uh, which is a great place for us to be. That gives us a lot of, uh, uh, we think, a competitive edge. And uh, it really helps us continue to drive our, our top-line growth, our revenues, by adding more customers to the portfolio and having a diversity of mix. So we're not fully concentrated in one commodity segment. Uh, that, that's really just like any investor is going to diversify their portfolio. We're really excited about diversifying our portfolio. But in order to do that, and in order to handle more customers and more business, you've got to have more staff. You've got to have a dynamic staff. And my vision is really for the Port of Corpus Christi to run as a business. Uh, but unlike private businesses, we don't have shareholders that we distribute our profits to. Our profits go back into the supporting infrastructure to make all of our customers more competitive. And that's the great, uh, that, that's really a great story for a government agency uh, for us to be able to place our capital right alongside our customers in a pro- public-private partnerships uh, P3s, we do those all the time, uh, and and that way we're really uh, our fortunes and and our customers' fortunes are, are totally aligned. Uh, we're willing to take on some risk, uh, and and at the end of the day, um, it's a great relationship between government and the private the private sector.
1: Now, later on in the show, I want to get into the diversity that the port has with the type of customers, but before we do. It wasn't too long ago, it was like three years ago that we had uh, the crude oil ban lifted from Congress. That, that's
3: right, December of two thousand and fifteen. You
1: uh, probably have that date memorized. I do,
3: I do. And <laughs> the uh, greatest
1: and, day for Corpus Christi and, ever. Well,
3: two weeks after that ban was lifted in a bipartisan omnibus agreement, uh, the first shipment of crude oil sailed out of the port of Corpus Christi, and 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 really what a
1: proud day that was.
3: It was a great day. It was actually December thirty first. It was New Year's uh, Eve, uh, two thousand and fifteen. And and since that time, we've just seen growth. And so, you know, we've gone from basically zero barrels to now more than 75% of our crude uh, volumes are for export. That's all incremental volume for the Port of Corpus Christi, incremental revenue, incremental volume. And ultimately, that's been uh, a significant amount of growth in a very concentrated period of time. We're averaging right now about 800,000 barrels a day of export uh, volumes and we are building infrastructure in anticipation of going in excess of 2 million barrels a day. Uh, we're building right now for about 2.3 million barrels of export capacity. Uh, however, I've, I've just seen some recent uh, forecasts that we may have to look at uh, going beyond that, going even beyond 3 million barrels. Wow. Uh, and, and we're fortunately uh, in a very well-capitalized position mm-hmm. uh, to do that. Uh, we went out and raised some uh, some public uh, finance and public bonds. Uh, we issued some public bonds earlier this year, both taxable and tax-exempt bonds, and uh, and we did that to continue to fuel our growth and making sure that we've got uh, the available capital when needed, so we can again place that capital right along with our customers uh, and continue to drive this uh, this epic growth that we're seeing from the uh, from the oil patch uh, out to the international markets.
1: Both oil patches, Eagle Ford and Permian. When we return from break, I want to talk about the port's investment into the ship channel, in which is necessary for you to achieve uh, this amazing growth, when it comes down to crude and, and of course, natural gas. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to An Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
0: Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com.
1: We're back. You're listening to In the Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. Sean, before the break, uh, you were talking about all of the potential in the future when it comes down to uh, oil and gas exporting out of the Port of Corpus Christi. It's going to require some investment to get to those numbers. So let's talk about what is the port doing to make sure that you guys are successful in the future? Well,
3: we certainly need to invest in more infrastructure to facilitate uh, exports. Uh, and when we talk about infrastructure, that means uh, more terminals, more storage, uh, more docks, uh, more rail, uh, more pipelines. And at the very center of all of that is a uh, improved Corpus Christi ship channel. The ship channel is the main artery, the main lifeblood for uh, the port. And uh and and the vessels that are coming in today, many of them cannot fully load. And so that makes them less than optimal in their their transportation costs. And knowing that a lot of the energy that we handle are commodities, uh, commodities are very sensitive to costs. And what we need to do is make sure that we've got the appropriate infrastructure in place, including a deeper, wider Corpus Christi ship channel to be able to handle the large classification of ships that are certainly in demand from some of the large uh, markets, China and India being at the top of that list, as China and India's uh, appetite for energy grows, uh, and as certainly China has been put on notice by the Trump administration right. that, that they're going to need to buy more American goods. $200 billion a year is the, the message that uh, Secretary Ross delivered uh, in a very... Uh, succinct uh, way a couple months ago on his trip to to China, if if the Chinese are going to reduce that three hundred and seventy five billion dollar annual trade deficit with the United States by two hundred billion dollars, the the industry segment that comes to the top of of that. Uh, potential is the oil and gas industry and but we've got to make sure that we've got the infrastructure in place so they can load fully laden vlcc's so we can have q max vessels on the lng side that can safely and competitively carry american energy molecules to the chinese and and, and certainly to uh, other global markets
1: you guys are deepening the ports channels your uh redoing the harbor bridge talk to me about that kind of investment that it seems like the whole city the port of, the city of corpus christi is making this huge investment well the, certainly
3: the certainly the city the counties the port uh, industry we're all doing our part uh, to it's ensure.
1: like y'all
3: are ready for this. Well, we're we're certainly uh, doing everything we can to be ready. I will tell you that the 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 as I said that the the Corpus Christi Ship Channel is the main artery. It is a federal ship channel, and the federal responsibility for maintenance of that channel and certainly for the improvement of that channel lies with the United States Army Corps of Engineers. We have a financial obligation as well, and we have met our obligation. In fact, we've exceeded our obligation. We've given the Army Corps of Engineers. $78 million of our money to go ahead and get started. Uh, They have, it's about a $350 million uh, project cost estimate of which uh, a third of that cost is on the port. And two thirds of that is on the federal government. That's how it is all over the country. The federal government has responsibility to maintain the federal federal navigable waterways. And part of the United States Army Corps of Engineers core mission is to energize the economy. What we expect is we expect Congress to give them the appropriations that they need to be able to do the work that's required to improve the Corpus Christi ship channel in the time frame that is needed by industry. And that's really been the problem that we've seen is we're competing for those funds. We being the Port of Corpus Christi, we compete with other ports who are also eligible for that tranche of funding. Uh, the other ports that we compete with for those funds right now are Boston, Charleston, Savannah and Jacksonville. Uh, so we're the only port in Texas, the only port in the Gulf that's uh, eligible for navigation, construction dollars, okay, as are those other four ports. Those other four ports are container ports importing foreign-made goods. We are an export port by a two-to-one factor. So what we really expect from the administration and, and from Congress is to recognize the value of this port for exporting and reducing the national trade deficit and really energizing the economy with um, with uh, energy exports by placing a significant amount of capital. So far, they've only done $36 million, Kim. This year, we're going to be asking for them to appropriate over $100 million to the Army Corps of Engineers so they can finish this project by the end of 2021, which is what we expect them to do. That falls in line with all the new pipelines that have been announced, and that will make sure that we'll be able to get America's energy to our allies and trading partners around the world when they need it and competitively.
1: What is it that the community can do to help support? I mean, this is important to Texas. It's important to the United States that the port finish its job so we can move into this energy dominance. So what is it that we can do? It
3: it certainly is important. I just want to clarify. um, So it's not giving federal funds to the port. It's it's appropriating federal funds to a federal agency, the Army Corps of Engineers, who has the responsibility the port has already raised its portion of the funds, and we've given a good portion of the funds to the federal government. What we expect now is that the federal government execute on the project. And so what people can do, uh, our industry partners, uh, members of the community, anybody who is uh, in any way, uh, if their livelihoods are tied to this industry, they can call their congressman, they can call their senator, uh, and they can uh, impress upon them the importance of making sure that that the Army Corps of Engineers is appropriately resourced both financially and with, uh, with uh, human capital. and One of the things that we have a, a concern with is we, certainly we are still in a post-Harvey recovery environment and the Galveston District for the Army Corps of Engineers has a tremendous amount of Harvey post-recovery work. On its plate, uh, those are really important uh, projects. Those are life-saving projects. We're concerned, though, that because this is a livelihood-creating project, this is an economic, you know, energizing the economy project, that it may fall down their list of priorities because you know, barrels of, of, of crude and, and natural gas don't vote. But certainly, you know, people who are concerned about their losing their homes uh, uh, to a uh, the next hurricane, uh, they vote, and, and rightly so. So what we've said to the Corps is, if you don't have the resources, let the port step in. We certainly have resources that we can bring to bear. Let us focus on uh, making sure that the, that our project is executed in the time frame that's uh, needed and necessary by uh, uh, by the industry, uh, and let them focus on those flood control and flood risk mitigation projects that are really about saving people's lives.
1: Right. And I mean, that is important, but so is thirteen billion dollars that's also given uh, to the Rainy Day fund in which the whole entire state of Texas actually benefits from that too. So I mean, I think oil and gas is equally as important so are saving lives i mean i just it's kind of like which one do you pick and i think at the end of the day they're all very important well, they,
3: they are and they don't it doesn't have to be an either or but we have impressed upon the core and uh, our congressional delegation that we are concerned that the galveston district may just have more on their plate than they can uh, than they can handle uh, they have assured us that that's not the case but uh, we have yet to see them begin the construction of this project even though they have 78 million dollars of the port's money and we're waiting for them to spend that money we want them to spend that money so uh, we, all we can do is continue to uh, really explain how important this project is for the South Texas Coastal Bend the state of Texas and the nation
1: exactly we do have to take a quick break you're listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back
0: From the industry's toughest frack equipment manufacturer comes the latest innovation in frac sand delivery. Introducing Sandforce, the new frack sand delivery system from Dragon. The unique design, double drop gravity-fed discharge system, is trailer-mounted and unloads the standard 25 tons in less than 12 minutes. So go ahead, give yourself an unfair advantage. Put the power of Sandforce to work for you today. Call 800 231 8198 Again, that number's 800 231 8198 or visit dragonsandforce.com.
3: Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit yamahaviking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side by side owner study.
1: We're back. You're listening to In the Wool Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. So, Sean, I want to change gears just a little bit and talk about there is a Traffagera project. Specifically, what is that and how is it going to impact the Port of Corpus Christi?
3: Well, Trafigura, Kim, is a large Swiss commodities trading house. Uh, They're not an operator uh, like a conventional midstream pipeline or terminal operator.
1: So Uh, does that mean they're not going to have all the rules and regulations that an EMP would have an operator?
3: Well, we don't know because uh, they've put in an application under a very obscure federal statute called the Deepwater Port Act to build an offshore buoy. It's called a single point mooring or SPM buoy. Uh, platform. That's never been done before in the United States. And the reason it's never been done before is because this country for 200 years with the Army Corps of Engineers has built some fabulous uh, coastal navigable waterways and inland navigable waterways for that matter. So we've got tremendous infrastructure in this country that has really been facilitating trade and commerce. Uh, When you see these buoys in some of these other venues, it's because they don't have the coastal infrastructure that the U.S. has. But what traffic has done is they've they've uncovered this uh, this arcane uh, federal statute that was put in place in 1974 to try and stimulate imports of crude oil. Uh, it's never been done for exports of crude oil, uh, and and there's a lot of questions we have around their application. It doesn't originate on port property; originates on private property, so there's no port oversight. Uh, it goes out to federal waters, which is deeper than uh, uh, 100 feet, uh, and it's to be able to use this particular legislation and this licensing process. The license is issued by the Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chao, and it can only be vetoed by Governor Abbott. Uh, And so we've got a lot of, there's no TCQ permitting process. uh, There's no railroad commission. There's no port. Uh, We've got a lot of questions about that because, what it is is it's it appears to be a circumvention of conventional practice, certainly conventional wisdom, which is safe harbor. You want to load these ships within a safe harbor, and that's what the Port of Corpus Christi offers as a safe harbor. When you're out into international waters, if there's an incident, it's going to be much harder to respond to. And oftentimes you want, we won't know if there's an incident until we've got tar balls washing up on the Laguna Madre seashore. So well, got, we all
1: remember the deep... What
3: is it? We we certainly remember the Deepwater horizon and that's an extreme case. But uh, at the end of the day, we think there are better options. Uh, We think that this is a um, um, a bad idea. Uh, We are certainly in opposition of it until we can at least get more information uh, about it. But their application has been very opaque. They have not. we don't believe that they've been uh, uh, they've disclosed fully uh, all of the, the aspects of this. They certainly haven't disclosed who all is involved. Uh, and so we've got a lot of questions. And, and until we get our questions answered, it's going to be difficult for us to, to get behind it.
1: Let's talk about the company itself. The well, well,
3: trafficker is a large, uh, as I said, Swiss trading company. Uh, they are they probably in excess of 120 billion dollars a year of revenue. So they're they're a big player in a, a lot of different commodities. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, the concern we have is uh, they don't have exactly uh, the uh, most stellar track record for environmental uh, uh, initiatives. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it, they, they've had some criminal. Uh, charges levied against them in other venues. And, and you know, a, as big as they are, I'm sure that there's always going to be uh, issues to work through. Uh, but we just have a lot of questions. And that's why I think it's important to have state oversight, certainly port oversight, to ensure that they, and just as we do with all of our customers, we expect our customers to do what they say they're going to do. And we're going to hold them accountable to that. We have to do that for the community. We have to right. do that for the citizens right. of the state of Texas. Uh, because if you d- if you leave some of these actors unchecked uh that's how problems arise and we just don't want to see that happen certainly not uh, down in in those uh uh, those coast that coastal region where there's a tremendous amount of 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 wildlife and and sea life and and uh, it's a quality of life that that we want to protect
1: exactly i can't even imagine this thing going through uh especially if all the green environmental groups find out about this company i'm sure that they're going to be opposed to it, well, Sierra clubs and stuff like that you know, just no regulation and oversight
3: yeah you know it's interesting because we've seen uh we've seen some conservancy groups come out in support of it but really what it is, that is is that's what i would call the nimbyism uh there is a there is a uh, an uninformed opinion by some that having it offshore is better uh but to me i equate it to this it's like telling an airport uh, a major airport you can have 737s but you can't have 747s uh the, the impacts are the same it's just you're moving uh, more passengers on a jumbo jet right it's the same thing with uh, with vlccs we're moving more product on one ship but the way that the the vessels are loaded and the impacts are all gonna be the same. The security is gonna be the same. We're just trying to be more competitive. So what we don't want is we don't want people thinking that VLCCs are bad because they're no different than Suez Max or Afromax vessels. They're just larger vessels. All of the handling is going to be done in a responsible way. The securing of the facilities are going to be done in a responsible way. And having that close to shore is going to be much better if there is an incident than offshore. Offshore is going to be much more difficult for people to respond to as we saw from the the deepwater horizon.
1: Well, Sean, that is all the time that we have for today's show. Thank you so much for coming into studio and talking to us and giving us an update uh, from the Port of Corpus Christi. And we look forward to having you back in studio soon. Well, thank you, Kim. It's my pleasure. Thanks again, Sean, for being a guest on our show today. And congratulations, because you're going to be the topic of today's trivia question. Email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at dot gcom And you will have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to Fogo the Chow, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Today's trivia question is... The Porta Corpus Christi named their new chief external affairs officer. What is his name? Remember to email the correct answer to radio at shellmag.com and you'll have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the Brazilian steakhouse. If you are interested in keeping up with In the Oil Patch Radio show or the latest issue of Shell Magazine, you can do that. It's free. All you have to do is go to www. Dot shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and sign up for our free newsletter. That is going to wrap up another great show. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios.
0: In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.